0: This is Mishmash, a weekly conversation where we try to unjumble an important and sometimes under-the-radar statewide issue that affects you. I'm Shayna Roth, and I'm joined this week by Gongwer Managing Editor Alethea Casbin. Hey, Shana. Happy to be here with you today. Let's talk about Bill Schuette. That is a name that a lot of us haven't really heard in a while. Uh, But we're not talking about the former attorney general. We're talking about his son, who's running for the 95th House district seat, attempting to take his own first step into state politics. And the drama is really going down in Midland because there's talk spreading that Democrats are planning to vote in the upcoming Republican primary. Alethea, you've been following this carefully. What is going on here? Yeah, so first it's Bill G. Shooty. I think
1: (laughs) (laughs) it's very important to him that he is Bill G., I think, and not Bill Shooty. So yeah, he's running in the 95th House District, which is in Midland. Uh, He has a, a Republican primary. There are two other candidates, but really... The primary is between him and Anne Mannery, who is the Midland County clerk. Anne is pro-choice. She is a pro-choice Republican, which is just unheard of in today's age. And she also has a very well-known name. And, you know, the the shooting name is is known, but it also can be a little bit of a double edged sword. So Democrats are maybe going to do a little bit of meddling in this one. They don't have a lot of other things on the ballot in the area. So, you know, in Michigan, if you vote on the one side of the primary, you have to vote in every race. Um, You can't vote Republican in the House district and then vote for a Dem. You know in a different area uh, but their senate race is uncontested for the democrat and they are pointing to ann and saying she is pro-choice she is pro-lgbt she's a county clerk so she's not questioning the election results and you know there is some urging among top democrats in the area including a woman named sarah schultz who ran as a democrat in a in this seat in prior years she is urging people to to vote for ann this hasn't really been effective before uh, on either side. People say it, it doesn't really work. We'll see if this one does. Um, it would be pretty unprecedented. But there are a lot of things that are unprecedented that have happened in the last five or so years, right?
0: Yeah, and especially this election cycle. I mean, there's been rumblings for a while now, not just in Michigan and in Midland, but sort of across the U.S. of Democrats possibly voting in Republican primaries either to get a nominee they think would be better for their political views, i.e. less Trumpian, or would be less likely to win in the general, and those candidates are usually more Trumpian in their view. The Washington Post last month had an article with reports from Georgia and Colorado suggesting, quote, strategic crossover overvoting was happening, and the Post did its own test on the Republican U.S. House incumbent Madison Cawthorn's race in North Carolina's 11th district. They found more than 1,700 Democrats turned unaffiliated voters and voted in that primary. Cawthorn was then defeated by his opponent by almost 1,400 votes. So, I mean, this isn't to say for sure that Democrat crossover caused this. Cawthorn had a lot of problems as a candidate all by himself. But it is kind of interesting evidence. So, I mean, Alethea, what is the sense of this happening in Michigan outside of Midland? I
1: would say that in midland the the motivation is a little bit different right they're not looking for a candidate they could potentially beat in the general they're looking for a candidate that they would like better if they came through um you know when you we have heard rumblings though even in in michigan especially top of the ticket right in the gubernatorial primary would one of these candidates maybe a ryan kelly or a garrett soldano be easier to beat in November, I don't think there has been any coordinated, you know, campaign to do that. I also think it's risky, right? Because anyone can win. You know, that's a, that's a risky bet that some, some Democrats might be making here or, or
0: elsewhere. Alethea, let's go back in time to 2018. That lame duck session was, I mean, for me and probably a lot of people, the worst ever. And I'm really not even joking there. It was the year that Whitmer was about to take the governor's office and Republicans did everything they could to pass as much as they could before a Democrat took the governor's seat. And one of the things that they did was adopt and amend a paid sick leave and minimum wage initiative. Essentially, they weakened the whole proposal rather than let voters decide. And supporters of the initiative obviously didn't like that. And now, Years later, the Michigan Court of Claims has weighed in on all of this. What happened?
1: First, just let me say, please, let's not go back in time to Lame Dog 2018. (laughs) It was... It was very intense. Uh, we're talking four weeks of twelve plus hour days. It was terrible. Hundreds of bills moving through. I remember sitting next to you and both of us just being like, "Make it stop." <laughs> it was it was very tiring. But yeah, this adopt and amend strategy was you know one of the things that moves through. Then uh, the legislature passed those bills gutting the initiatives, and yeah, it, it feels like it was so long ago, and now the court has determined, um, at least one court, the court of claims has said that that was unconstitutional, that you cannot adopt an initiative to keep it off the ballot, and then amend it in the same session. Uh, So this would be a really consequential ruling if it ends up taking effect. Uh, It's kind of a delayed effect. So we have a few weeks, and the state is actually asking, you know, for a stay while the appeal is pending. But If it did take effect, we would have, you know, a $12 minimum wage right now, and tipped workers would be making, you know, more than $9 an hour. Uh, They make 3.75, dollars I think, right now. So this would be a huge change. Plus, there's, you know, we're all talking about the minimum wage. There's a paid sick leave requirements as well. I believe it's employers would have to provide one hour of sick leave for every 30 hours that someone worked. So that's obviously would be a huge change for a lot of businesses right now.
0: What is the the process for for this initiative as of right now? I'm guessing there's going to be appeals. I guess how far could this go?
1: Yeah, so I think that this will probably go to the Supreme Court and the question is, you know, will the judge stay the ruling while the appeal moves through? I would guess probably because it is just I mean it would be a huge change and you don't want to go back and forth if the court of appeals reverses and then the Supreme Court changes that, you know, it would be very confusing for and and burdensome, I think, for businesses to be like, wait, but what am I doing right now? Uh, So the uh, an official appeal has not been filed, but the early paperwork of intent to appeal has, has already been filed and a stay has already been requested. And we'll just see, you know, maybe we'll be talking about this again in another four years.
0: Speaking of ballot initiatives, the signature deadline is over and at least one proposal won't be certified. What's the latest on what we might see on the November ballot?
1: Yeah, so the, the one and only initiative that was that had signatures turned in did not actually turn in enough uh, valid signatures to make the ballot, which the Board of State Canvassers determined this week. So the Michiganders for Fair Lending, this would have changed regulations for payday lending those are you know the small short-term loans that can have very high interest rates this would have put some limit on interest rates and some other things um, but it will not be on on the ballot in november so now we're just left with constitutional amendments so one is already on the ballot for term limits and financial disclosure the legislature sent that to the ballot and the state is looking at signatures for two promote the vote which you know does early voting voter ID, those kinds of things, it keeps the voter ID law we have now. It doesn't have a stricter voter ID law. And then the abortion proposal that would put abortion rights into the constitution along with some other things. So they both turned in a ton of signatures. Um, So I I would guess that they're in pretty good shape, but the the state will determine, you know, how many they turned in and give a recommendation to the board of state canvassers, you know, by the end of August.
0: And for people who are not as familiar with the ballot Uh, process. Once those signatures are certified, uh, there's still an opportunity for lawsuits to be filed against them to still keep them off the November ballot, right? Or are they home free once they're certified?
1: Usually once the board of state canvassers has acted, it's pretty difficult to find a way to keep them off the ballot, but certainly lawsuits can be filed. We've seen that. I believe, you know, voters, not politicians, the redistricting proposal um, had some lawsuits filed after it was certified, I think, challenging the language and things like that. Uh, so certainly that could, could happen. Uh, but once, you know, once you're certified to get on the ballot, it's, you know, it's pretty hard to determine or to keep you off the ballot. And then even once, you know, if voters approve them, lawsuits can happen then too. You can say this language is too broad, this and that, you know, there can always be challenges. But, uh, you know, generally, if voters approve something, it's also pretty difficult to, to say that it, you know, shouldn't it be valid? There's
0: always room for lawsuits if we've learned There's anything. always room for lawsuits. <laughs> Before we head out, there's one more news item I wanted to hit on because it's, you know, just another week in Michigan politics, which means that there's tons of stuff going on. Ryan Kelly, Republican gubernatorial hopeful and man charged with taking part in the January 6th insurrection of our nation's capital, will be on the November ballot if he makes it through the primary, it sounds like.
1: So the Progress Michigan a liberal group had funded a lawsuit trying to say, you know, because of the insurrection charges, he should not be on the ballot. The court said this week, you know, he hasn't been convicted of anything. Uh, also, it was very late. Um, you know, the primary is coming up here soon. So it sounds like he he will be on the ballot if he if he makes it through.
0: We should note that Progress Michigan, which is the organization that was part of the lawsuit, their spokesman Lonnie Scott said on Twitter that they're reviewing the options at this time. But, quote, it's clear the court rejected not on merits, only on procedural grounds.
1: Sure. So, you know, again, always room for lawsuits. Maybe they come and try again if he did make it through the primary. uh, You know, that would. I think make a little bit more sense just because it was so close to the primary when this one came through but we still don't know if he if he'll go through his process in court before november he still might not be acquitted or convicted by then
0: well we'll wait and see what uh next week brings (laughs) there's never a dull moment in michigan politics alethea thank you so much for joining me here on mishmash
1: thank you shayna